welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, a podcast where a few booktopians get together to chat book news and the books that we are reading and enjoying. I'm Nick Wasiliev and I'm joined uh, over the airwaves by Sarah McDooling. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hannah Armstrong. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. And Lara Summerfield. Hi, hi, Lara. Hey, guys. Hi. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to be back. We had a week off. Uh, normally, we, we kick off by, you know, talking about what we'll be up to in this episode, but I have a small housekeeping announcement before, before we begin. The Weekend Booktopian will now, from this point on, be primarily focusing on books that we are reading and enjoying. So we'll be covering book news in more specific episodes whenever they come up. And uh, shock horror, we'll be retiring book fight for the moment. Uh, devastated. With- I'm devastated. I've been celebrating ever since this <laughs> announcement has happened. But for all of those who people out there who really enjoyed watching us not know anything about book trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, look, it's I, I do know it got it got quite a quite a lot of we had quite a lot of positive fun responses from, from our audience. But rest assured, fans <laughs> of that segment, as much as it, it, it tore Sarah's hair out every time she was on. Uh, we we will be making it will be uh, be making a return to our socials in some capacity going forward, uh, but it will be retired. Oh, fun! Don't worry, Sarah. It'll be okay. You'll be all right. <laughs> hey, if I if, if I'm not forced to ask questions, I'm happy about book fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for this week, we'll be instead discussing the books that we have had the pleasure of checking out over the last few weeks, and it is the busy time right now uh, in the world of books as we are getting ready for Christmas, Booktoberfest. Uh, is on here at Booktopia. Um, we'll kick off first, though, by talking about the things that are bringing us joy at the moment in the world. Uh, it's uh, it's week 382 of lockdown here in Sydney, but we are coming to the end of, uh, of, of things by the looks of things, optimistically. Um, so... Uh, we've been, I must say that I have kind of been much more appreciative of some of the, th- of the things that have been bringing me joy lately. I'm going to throw to you first, Lara. What has been bringing you joy? Um, I have two ends of the spectrum. Um, on the one hand, I am excited that we are coming to the end of lockdown. So I've um, got some weddings that are confirmed they can go ahead. So that's really exciting. It'll be straight back into socialising and all that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, I'm actually finding ways to really enjoy lockdown. <laughs> like I'm, you know, I'm soaking up the last of my time for myself and um, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that's what's bringing me joy. A bit of both ends of the spectrum. So me time, making the most of my me time, but also, you know, the hope that right around the corner is some um, return to new normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel, I feel like there is, is even though we are in that time where, you know, everyone's looking forward to actually seeing each other all again. I will, I do get a sense that there is some elements of, of lockdown time of, you know, having, having the convenience of, of working from home and stuff like that. Yes. Some people will probably, will probably miss, I think. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I am, um, I'm going to personally ease myself into the office. I'm going to start going back a couple of days a week. Um, and I'm excited for that, but I'm also like, oh, I won't be able to just get up and go for a walk and get my coffee and come back and sit down and all the leisure of work from home life. Yeah. It's, so I'm it, trying it, to em- embrace it while I've got it. Yeah. It's funny. Like 
as soon as we got the, like, I spent all of lockdown being like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. And then as soon as we got the date, I started getting weirdly stressed. And I was yes. like, <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Because we've I adjusted. Don't... You adjust to this huge change and then you yeah. have to readjust back. And it's yeah. been so long. Like last, last year it was like, what, six weeks or something. And so it wasn't long enough to really get comfortable with it. This year it's like coming up to four months and it's like I'm good with this now <laughs> yeah that's so true I mean yeah I keep like I actually like don't know how to interact with people anymore so whenever I whenever <laughs> I've been going on like so just to launch into just me for a sec um I've been going on <laughs> I've been going on like a few picnics because we're in the picnic era so that's one thing that's been bringing me joy but when I'm talking to my friends we were we were talking about um booking like a restaurant to go out for dinner when we're allowed to and I kept calling it an appointment like <laughs> <laughs> a dinner appointment a dinner appointment <laughs> that's so good and then and then the other thing I did is um the other thing bringing me joy is that I've been like apartment hunting because I'm planning on moving out um in November with oh, a friend of mine funny. yeah so and I keep calling um inspections tours <laughs> we need to go tours <laughs> <laughs> that's so good i love that yeah so we're going on a tour <laughs> we're going on the tour oh, okay. that's, so good. that's where i'm at i know what you mean though i got like weirdly stressed about the idea of making small talk um <laughs> i personally yeah i personally i'm pretty good at small talk um but the idea of having endless how is your lockdown small talk for the next yeah. month just Oof, yeah. I feel like that's noble. the only conversation I've been having this whole lockdown. <laughs> I know, for the past two years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think that it will be natural for everyone, regardless of what your social anxiety is like normally, like maybe you've never had any, maybe you've had it a little bit, whatever. I think it's going to be, everyone's going to go up a few rungs on that ladder when we come out of here and Perhaps it will be the first time you experience social anxiety. Perhaps your social anxiety is going to go out of control. I don't know. I just know it's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, that's it's, funny. It is. It's very interesting the, how people will respond to stuff. For me, me personally, I can't wait to see people again. But another part of me is also just like, oh, it's. I'm desperate to see. Like the thing giving me joy is making plans. So I've made so many plans. <laughs> I'm so keen to see people, but I also 100% know that I'm going to completely spin out and that I'll be able to like, I'll love it for about an hour and a half and then I'll be like, bye guys. And then I'll recover for 24 hours at home from that experience. Like I just, I know that that's what it will be like for a while. Yes, um, I actually totally. thought you said, oh, sorry, Hannah. No, go on. I actually says, I thought you said making plants and I was about to jump in and be like, oh, I repotted my plants. <laughs> I mean, plants always give me joy. They're a source of joy in or out of lockdown. Um, my biggest source of joy at the moment, aside from making plans and, and also, yes, it is the era of picnics and I've been having lots of picnics. I've discovered a lot more cafes within walking distance to my place where I can go and get food and have, because like, I'm sorry, but my picnics are that I buy food from a cafe and eat it. I don't make the food and bring it. <laughs> oh. It's not who I am. I just buy a bunch of food. That takes all the joy out of the picnic for me. But yeah, I've discovered so many more cafes in the area that I sort of, I knew they were there, but I'd never really gone to them before. I really like that. 
but mainly the last 12 weeks, my source of joy has been the one hour a week when Ted Lasso airs. And that has been a highlight of each week. The finale is, at the time of recording this podcast, the Ted Lasso finale is airing at the end of this week. Um, and then I don't know what I'll do <laughs> because it will be over. And that show is better than therapy. You and can free, also find something to I mean, like fill the void. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if this impacted you, Sarah, but as lockdown started, uh, the hosts of My Favourite Murder went on a summer vacation, which very well deserved. Good on them for taking their break. But they were doing like replay episodes and I was like, this is a new content to entertain me. I know. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to play this as a result. So I'm like, I've listened to all of the episodes. I don't need to revisit them. Yes! So I'm on hiatus, and when Karen and Georgia come back, I'll come back. Karen and Georgia are back, but it's only been like two weeks. And I was like, guys, okay. right as I'm in lockdown. Yeah, I was, wondering, I was wondering why they were only playing like replay episodes recently, because I haven't been on their podcast in like ages. And then I went back and I was like, what is this? Is it over? Like, really confused. So that's really reassuring that it, they will come back eventually. Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah, I, haven't been, I haven't had the need to listen to many murder podcasts at the moment. Maybe that's the thing about lockdown. I've been gravitating towards do. less murdery content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Less intense. You did also have your crime binge. For the I did. I had to read a big load of crime books in, in the middle of this year. And then I do need to take a break after that each year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've, which I think it will segue us on very nicely into the books that we have been reading because I know that it has been hectic reading times for all all parties concerned uh, when it comes to the books that we've been enjoying um, over the last few months or so. Um, I shall throw to Hannah first. Hello, Hannah. Um, I, what have you I been just, enjoying <laughs> in terms of books? <laughs> oh, I, just, I just realised I forgot the names of all the characters in the book that I was going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was so focused on the other book that I was going to talk about where the name is German and I was like I don't know how to pronounce that so then I forgot all the names of the other one but anyway it's here um <laughs> I recently over the weekend I read One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus I know I'm a little bit behind this one was released like I think in 2017 or 2018 or something like that but the reason I like I picked it up now is because the TV show is airing tomorrow, like which is the seventh of October. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, so I was like, yeah. okay, I, I can't like I have like massive FOMO like at all times in my life, so I was like, I can't miss out on this opportunity because I know everybody's going to be watching it and then talking about it on Monday. So I read this book, and I loved it. I read it in like a couple of hours. It's a YA thriller. And basically, I'm sure like every, have you guys read it? I had to answer this question recently because I was like, have I read it? And I, I ascertained I have read it, but I haven't read One of Us is Next yet. Right. Okay. So this one is like about four students at a high school and it's kind of like a breakfast club vibe. Like they all get detention and there's like, sorry, five, five students get detention and then within that detention, one of them, Simon, ends up dying from, like, I won't spoil what he dies from. But um, so then the four other students become, like, 
suspects in his murder. And so there's like the princess, the geek, the jock, and like the criminal. And so, but by the end of it, the most interesting thing about this book, even though like, yeah, there's like the mystery and everything, which I was, had no, no idea how it was and I'm usually good at guessing what's going to happen and like who the killer is or whatever. But in this one, I just had absolutely no idea. Um, but what I became really focused on was like the relationships between the characters and how like they're all these, like these four stereotypes get completely turned on their head by the end of the book. And there's also this like relationship between two of them, which is like Bronwyn and Nate, who's like the, like the geek and then like the criminal. And they have this like really sweet, like beautiful relationship. And they're not supposed to be talking because they're like suspects in the murder and the police are gonna, the police and their lawyers have like said not to speak to one another, but then they end up like, you know, falling in love. So <laughs> what I said the other week, Sarah, about like when I'm reading um, crime books, I don't want there to be a romance subplot. I've been immediately um, proved wrong. <laughs> I don't remember you saying that. I would have, I would have challenged that because I, I like a romantic subplot in everything. <laughs> yeah, I could have, I could have, I could have sworn you were there, but I remember saying it literally like two weeks ago, and then this happened. So I take back everything I said. Um, yeah, it's a really good book. It's very short, very readable. Um, the only other book by Karen McManus I've read was The Cousins which I really liked. And then everybody else was like, okay, well, like, don't get too excited. Read One of Us is Lying first before you, you know, make up your mind. And I've made up my mind. I love her. And now I need to read all of the other books. So, yeah. So that's that one. Um, that sounds really good. That's got, like, breakfast club crime vibes. That's exactly what it is. I think there's, like, a... You know how there's always, like, the tagline that's, like, breakfast club crossed with something something yeah i don't know what else it would be crossed with a, a murder book i guess <laughs> any any murder book yeah it's a whodunit breakfast club book yeah like and a i can't wait for the show I'm and so actually excited. karen mcmanus has a book coming out at the end of november and i can't wait for that either <sighs> what's that one called yeah i should have really remembered the oh, title was, before yeah. i mentioned it oh that's fine <laughs> <laughs> Forget I asked. <laughs> I think it has dying in the cover, but I'm going to just Google it. And I forgot her characters for a moment. Uh, every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it does have, it has death in the title. It's called You'll Be the Death of Me. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I was, I was looking it up as well because I had to, we were doing stuff on it yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Well, I need to pick up the sequel to One of Us is Lying Now. Mm. Um, and I thought I had it, but it turns out it was one of the other ones that was like unrelated. But anyway, um, yeah, highly recommend, really good YA. Um, and now I think I'm going to go on a bit of like a YA thriller binge. So I have a couple on my shelf that I've been wanting to read. So yeah. Anyway, that's that one. Um, the other book I wanted to talk about kind of briefly, because I'm only like a quarter of the way through, but it's the new Hannah Kent novel, which is called De Devotion. Um, and I've never read Hannah Kemp before. She's an Australian author. Um, and I've heard like really good things about her other books, such as like Bur Burial Rights was like one of those big books that everybody loved. Everybody read and everybody loved. Um, and then there was The Good People, I'm pretty sure it's called. Um, so I didn't read either of those, but I picked up the one we got sent from the publisher of devotion and I read the first page and I just knew immediately that I was going to be completely obsessed with it 
Um, it's a historical slash literary fiction. Um, and it's about, it's about, okay, so the name of the character, it's a, a German name and it's like Hannah, but I actually think you pronounce it Hannah, which is my name. So I feel weird about calling it Hannah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to say Hannah. Um, <laughs> so Hannah is this like 14 year old girl at the beginning of the book and she's living in like a Prussian village um, in the 1830s and she's feeling really um, suffocated under the weight of like her mother's expectations that she should marry soon and this kind of like impending womanhood that's like she's kind of staring down the barrel of um, and in her village they're all very um, like ex not, not, not extreme but they're very um, religious Lutherans which is like kind of an old religion so they're persecuted within the country um, who are now kind of turning more to like evangelicalism so they end up having to flee their tiny little village um, to a colony in South Australia uh, so it's about kind of like their sea voyage and then I don't like that's kind of what I'm up to now they're about to leave the village to go to Australia um, but what the book is about it's this like really beautiful lyrical amazing like ode from this girl Hannah to a girl that she meets when she's 14 Thea and it's about this like beautiful love story that they apparently it's going to like last their entire lifetimes because it's from the perspective of the narrator like kind of looking back to when she was a child <clears throat> meeting Thea and then like the amazing friendship that they form and then I'm guessing they're going to fall in love so I'm I'm so impressed by this book I'm only 100 pages in and it's like every single line that I read like every now and again I have to like take a photo of it just so I like remember <laughs> you know when you read those books and it's just like every sentence is so beautifully constructed and Hannah Ken is such an amazing writer that I've just completely fallen in love with this book already so I think yeah I, I don't want to like like be too um early but I feel like this is probably going to be like one of my favorite books of the year definitely Ooh. I'm, I'm so looking forward to reading devotion I I loved the good people and very all right and I think the way you've described Hannah Kent's writing is so how I feel about it too like every the joy you get from the way she puts things and the way she describes things and just it's like a joy to read her her words um, yeah. And you do, you want to just remember it all. You just want to like underline and underline. Um, you end up wanting yeah. to underline the whole book. Totally. I wanted to grab some of those little post-it notes that you can like pop in the sides and just so I can like occasionally turn back and like just relive the beauty. Um, yeah, it's incredible. I'm so impressed and I'm really excited to like, I think that's what I'm going to get stuck into this week and I can't stop thinking about it. So... <laughs> love it we've got her we've actually got her coming up uh, on our to record on a, a podcast with uh, as part of Oktoberfest as well so be sure to keep an eye out for that um we're, it's going to be very exciting to have a chat to her about this book um eek funny can you um, tell, tell her um tell her i love her <laughs> absolutely thank you can pass that on from me also <laughs> for loved yeah, I, sh I shall do because and I know that uh, it'll be one that people will be keeping a watch on that book. Um, great to get reading endorsement from you though, Hannah. Thank you so much. Great recommendations. Thank you. Um, I shall now turn to Sarah. Um, 
Sarah Bedulling, how many books have you brought this time uh, to like, shower us with praise on? Because I love hearing you read <laughs> books. There's kind of four that I wanted to mention, but like, so this past week, I'm I've I've read a book this week that I had read a few weeks ago, and I read it again in that way that you read things again by accident, where like. The book, first of all, I will just say is How We Love by Clementine Ford. And I I read it a while ago. I don't know. Time has lost all meaning in this lockdown. So it feels like it could be weeks. It could be months ago. <laughs> Whenever they sent out those proofs, I jumped and really liked it. And I remember thinking this was exactly the book that I wanted to read at that time because it was just a book that was a reflection on life and um, and just a really emotional book that just one of those ones where when you read it, it gets you thinking a lot about your own life and how you perceive things in your life. And it sort of just recalibrates your mindset a little bit, particularly in lockdown when, I don't know about you guys, but my mindset needed some recalibration. Um, (laughs) It's really easy to slip into a bad mindset at a time like this and reading a book that just kind of is really interior and is all about, how how you move through life and the ways in which you love not just other people but yourself Mm -hmm. um was just exactly what I needed so I read the book and I loved it and then I moved on with my life and then we uh had a podcast with Clementine Ford earlier this week and I needed to revisit the book because I was thinking questions to ask her and I was like okay well I'll just flip through it and I ended up reading the whole thing <laughs> again. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the and the reason I I knew that I really that I really like this book and I'll probably read it again at some point is that I read it and then I read it again a few weeks later and I got different things out of it. So um, it's in it's not a it's not a complicated book. It's a heartfelt book. It's um, just a woman recounting experiences that she's had in her life. It's like little essays. And they're just full of, you know, she talks about motherhood, she talks about dating, she talks about, you know, being a daughter and um, losing her mother at a young age. And she talks about, like, being a kid, like, and being a, particularly being a young woman, um, and experiences that happened to her as a youth. And like, she does it in a way that, like, I find it really difficult to remember things. I don't have a very good memory. And I feel like, I feel like my memory is something I make myself blind to. Like, I forget years of my life. Like, I forget whole sections of my life. And I'm, they don't sort of resurface until I'm talking to someone like an old friend or if I read through a diary, or if I read a book that that describes being a teenager so well that it, like, fires off some neurons in my brain and forces me to remember being that age. But it's not something that I carry with me, right? Like, I'm just terrible. I forget what happened yesterday. I forget what happened five years ago. I forget what happened 15 years ago. Mm. Um, so, but reading her book really made me think about who I was when I was young and how that has led to the person that I am now. And it was very introspective and, and it was emotional and beautiful. And so that's the first book I'm going to talk about. Um, the other 
I want to talk about two, there's two illustrated books that I want to talk about. They're very different, but very similar to each other. I'm going to kind of talk about them in tandem because like, I'm not a person who has read that many graphic novels in my life. And these aren't graphic novels. They're novels that are just got a fair bit of illustration in them. And um, I'm starting to realize that I'm missing out a lot. So like these, these are like my gateway books that I think might lead me to some graphic novels because I was like, it's so beautiful to read books that are accompanied by art. Um, and so the first one is The Beatrice Prophecy from Kate DiCamillo, um, which Kate DiCamillo is such an amazing author who I have, I've always, you know, admired her and thought well of her, but I, I and she's, you know, obviously like, very well-renowned and respected author. But I think I just um, have a whole new appreciation for her after reading The Beatrice Prophecy, which it's gonna be one of those things, and this is true of so many of Kate DiCamillo's books, where if I explain to you what the story is about, it's gonna sound very simple. And it is a simple story, and it's for children, so it should be, it should be quite simple. But it's a story of a, a, it's set in a medieval world that isn't explicitly stated to be our world, but you know, it, may as well be medieval England or medieval France. And um, it's about a young girl who is um, left alone in the world and is kind of adopted by a group of monks. Um, she's a girl who knows how to read in a world where not only do women not know how to read, but like the average person doesn't know how to read. It's like a skill set that monks and like royalty has, and that's about it. Um, so she's got this power really that is not available to many people and the world that it's set in because there's no accessibility to writing for people and um, you know stories are spoken but they're not written down and the concept of like yourself making up a, a story that's pretend and writing it down is just really foreign to people like you would you would call up a monk and ask them to write a letter for you or you'd ask them to like write an accounting of something real, but you wouldn't say like, write me a story. Um, it's just not something that happens in this world. And so it was a, it was a really interesting little story that spoke a lot about um, the power of imagination and the freedom of telling stories and how you can understand the world better through stories, which is a beautiful message for kids, I think. It's also a story about leadership because there's a big theme about who should lead in this book it's also a story about a hysterical goat there's a goat in this book that's like I can't explain it to you but the goat it starts with the goat and and it goes from there the goat is called Answelica and the creation of genius that goat and it's beautifully beautifully illustrated um and the illustrator is Sophie Blackhall who I didn't even realize is Australian, not Australian based, but is Australian and has illustrated the book with these beautiful pictures that kind of look like illuminated manuscripts tying in with the medieval sort of theme. Anyway, I really liked it. I think it is a beautiful book for kids, but it's also so rich and um, poignant that adults will get a lot out of it as well. Um, and the other illustrated book I'm just going to briefly touch on because I actually haven't finished this one, I've only just started it, is um, Medusa by Jessie Burton, who is the author of The Miniaturist. Um, and 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Jessie Burton. This is a very different style of book, but it's a feminist retelling of the Medusa myth. Again, gorgeously illustrated. The illustrator here is uh, Olivia, I'm going to probably say this wrong, but Olivia Lomanek Gill, who you may be familiar, illustrated the big illustrated edition of the Fantastic Beasts book um, in Harry Potter land. So the illustrations here are really beautiful, um, haunting illustrations. And this, because this is a proof, it only has a few of the illustrations in there. There's a, a lot missing because it's an early proof. So I know already off the bat, I'm buying a finished copy of this because I need to see all of the finished illustrations. And I don't know how this book is going to end so far, but I love, I mean, feminist retellings of Greek myths are happening a lot at the moment. Um, and it's definitely a thing that I'm, I'm, I love it. And I don't see a cap to this. Like I'm like, give me more and more. Like yes, I could put 10 more ones just on Medusa. Like I don't see myself running through this. Uh, I'm not going to reach a point where I'm like, no more feminist retellings of Greek myths. Like, I just don't see that happening. Not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, that's my current read. Really enjoying it. Last book I just wanted to touch on is one that I'm really late to. It's um, it's a book that Booktopia's own in Emil actually um, gave to me nearly a year ago, like almost a year ago, um, and I just hadn't read it. And I always knew that I would read it. I just hadn't read it until recently. And it's amazing time because it's a duology and a sequel to that. So I've like times this brilliantly. But the book is These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. And it's a it's a book that is trending a lot on TikTok and it's very, it's a very popular um, YA book. And the pitch of this is that it's you might be able to tell from the title of this book, which is these Violent Delights and the duology is called These Violent Ends. So it's like a Shakespeare quote title. And I've got such a weakness for any book that is titled by a Shakespeare line. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about that. But if you if you just lift a line from Shakespeare, even if it's not a Shakespeare retelling, if you lift a line of Shakespeare for the title of your book, I'm there. I just love it. So, um, so the famous line from Romeo and Juliet, these violent delights have violent ends. Um, this book is a Romeo and Juliet retelling. It's set in Shanghai in 1926. And the premise here is like, well, I mean, you know the premise of Romeo and Juliet. So already you've got the basic template of this story. There's two households, both alike in dignity. <laughs> Fair Shanghai. <laughs> And they're actually in this, they're gangs. So it's like the two heirs of these like warring gangs in Shanghai in 1926 have had a romantic past and something has happened and they are no, no longer friendly. And then, um, so Juliet is one and Roma is the other. I wonder where those names came from. We'll never know. Not a clue. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. This is a great, it's a, it's a really compelling, like, kind of enemies to lovers story. I'm, it's a duology, so I've only read these violent slides. I'm halfway through the story. I am sensing, like, unless Chloe Gong wants to kill us, that it will hopefully have a slightly more optimistic ending than the Romeo and Juliet song. I hope. But 
it's uh, it's also got a mystery element because the they have to sort of set aside their enmity to solve what's going on in Shanghai in this book, which is that a mysterious thing is happening that's causing people to claw out their own throats. It's really like, and um, they have to sort of find out what's going on with that. And the thing I love most about this book and the thing I realised that I would love from the very first page is the atmosphere, because this is one of those authors who like in three sentences at the beginning of the book really viscerally puts you in a time and a place. Like I felt like, I can't go to 1926 Shanghai. That's not possible, like, yet. But, um, <laughs> but I felt like if you could time travel there, she had the sounds and the smells and, like, the whole atmosphere immediately came to life of this buzz, bustling 1926 Shanghai. And then, you know, one of the first scenes happens in this burlesque club and I'm just dr drowning in the atmosphere. It was, like, gorgeous and amazing. And um, I can't wait to read book two. <sighs> Blimey, that, look, those are my books. <laughs> let, let Sarah they, off the leash. <laughs> yeah, they all sound amazing. I, I highly recommend them all. Um, I, I, think, I think the sequel to These Violent Delights might be the next thing I read. Um, the only thing that's stopping me is that I'm in a, a real, talking about what brings us joy from before. I'm loving reading books on paper at the moment and I'm not loving reading books on screens. I don't know if it's some like mental rebellion because we spend our whole day like talking to each other on screens at the moment and you know we're trapped inside and screens are like everywhere and at the moment I just can't handle reading a book that's electronic I only want to read books on paper literally mm -hmm. the only thing that stopped me from diving directly into the sequel to these violence lights at the end of these violence lights was that it's I've only got access to a digital proof and I can't bring myself to read digitally at the moment. <laughs> I, I just don't know why. I think that's fair enough. Like I've always preferred like physical books over. So whenever anybody says like, Oh, I just send me the manuscript. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want you to send me like a fully bound. <laughs> give me that. Give me that yeah. physical book. I want, I want it binded. I want to, I just want the physical feeling of it. Yeah. Like, yeah like I agree. It's usually, if I have a preference, it's usually to read on paper, but it, I don't normally have this aversion to, <laughs> to the digital option. Like if that's the option, I'll be like, sure. Okay. Um, yeah. And I don't normally have any problems reading things on a screen, except at the moment I would rather poke myself in the eye. Like I just can't <laughs> I just don't want to read on screens right now. It, it's, no, it's, that is fair enough. Yeah. It's strange time. It is very, very strange times that we live in. And I do not blame you at all. Every time I, I read a book, I'm just like, Oh, I'm just away from a screen. So good. I love it. Um, yeah. yeah. I know we are aware uh, we are running, starting to run a little short on time. So I will now throw to my last guest. Hello, Lara. Um, is that your way of telling me to like talk no. real quick? No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, no, no. I never would no. do that. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> What have you been? Uh, what have you been enjoying over the last couple of weeks? I have an absolute first for everyone today. For the first time in my life, and possibly the last, the two books that I'm reading are brand new releases. Oh my Never god! I know. I'm normally like three years behind the train. Um, <laughs> I am reading a book that Nick actually recommended on our podcast a few weeks ago. I'm reading Mortals. Um, which yes. is 
just come out by a, I believe it's a father and daughter, Ross Menzies yes. and Rachel Menzies. Um, and it basically talks about the evolution of society fearing death and how um, humans have evolved cultures that either celebrate or like commemorate death in different ways and the way that it impacts our decisions in life because we have this fear of what happens after we die and this awareness of death sort of all, always overhanging us. Um, it's been a little bit confronting because, <laughs> I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously it's something that we all are aware of. Um, you know, no one gets out of it alive and all those things that my farmer father likes to say. Um, so it's normally a topic I avoid thinking about because I don't like thinking about not existing. Um, but I decided, you know, confront my fear. So it has caused me to think about it a lot more. But it's really, really interesting watching, uh, watching, reading and learning about um, how different religions are formed. And um, yeah, it's been so, so interesting. So it's definitely a really good one to sort of destigmatize um, the way we think about death. And um, so that's been really cool. And then the other book that I'm reading is literally came out two days ago. Um, I am reading The Storyteller by Dave Grohl, which oh, is, wow. yes, it's so interesting. So for people who aren't aware, he is the lead singer and guitarist of the Foo Fighters, the band. Um, he was also in the band Nirvana. Um, and in terms of, of current musicians, he's one of the most talented um, people alive at the moment. He can play any instrument, in, pardon me, instrument. <laughs> um, he can write, he can sing, um, he can, you know, he can sort of do it all. A couple of his albums he completely recorded solo, didn't have any of his band members in playing their own instruments. He just did it all and layered it. Um, so very, very talented person and has lived a very interesting life. Um, so it's really, really cool. He sort of starts, he was a bit of a wild youth um, and obviously being in rock and roll for most of his life, he's seen all sides of um, drugs and partying and alcohol and um, relationships and things like that. And in a weird way, he actually kind of did a lot of the scandalous things quite young before he got famous, um, which is really interesting because you can see he talks about how that changed the way he dealt with things as he came up and you know he was really young in Nevada and seeing Kurt Cobain with substance abuse issues and self-harm mm. issues um yeah it's just really really interesting so I'm only part way into the start of that but it's a really good read he's really um it's written well he's um it's very much a personal voice that the whole story is narrated in so it's Captivating. It's a very good read. Recommend. Is it, he's known, I know, in, in kind of a lot of music circles, he's kind of seen as probably like one of the nicest guys in rock and roll. He like, seems so lovely. Yeah, he seems like not a single person who who's met him or, you know, have said anything, have a, has a bad thing to say about him. Apparently he's just the sweetest, nicest man. Um, yeah. Um, he seems... Yeah, his voice is very, very down to earth. Um, he's got like sort of a, a I suppose, not sceptical, but um, 
there's an edge to his voice that he's definitely not got rose-coloured glasses on anymore sort of thing. Like he talks about um, growing up with fears that, that still surround us in society today, you know, fears of um, wars between nations and, you know, the arms race and things like that. So he definitely touches on much bigger issues that affect everyone as we grow up in, in modern society. So it's, yeah, it's very well-rounded. It covers pretty much everything. I love That's it. Great. Yeah, I love it. Oh, great recommendations, Laura. I love that you're reading Mortals. That's made my morning. I, I know that it, it is a really, com uh, it can feel like a very confronting book, but strangely enough, since, you know, reading it, it's been a very, I feel, suddenly have just kind of, you look at things slightly differently, but not necessarily yeah. in a bad way. It's like you have more appreciation for things in a yes. strange way. I don't know what it is. Do you not is. fear death anymore? I don't know. I feel it. I, I, I have, I'm not going to die. I've made that decision. I, I, <laughs> I've chosen the immortal path, but you know, <laughs> as, as a mortal. I, um, I actually always find this a really tricky conversation to have with people because I don't want to impose my views on anyone else's um, experience or the way or perspective. Um, I personally find it comforting to think that when we die, we're dead. I find that way less daunting than the idea that there could be something really bad or something really good or something eternal. Like I really much prefer, personally find it much more comforting to think that I will just cease to exist and I won't know. So like that no harm kind of thing. Um, I find that abjectly terrifying. I hate it. I hate it. I can't even, I can't wrap my head around the concept that before I was born, there was no me. I don't know if that makes me a megalomaniac, but I'm pretty sure I was around. <laughs> I think that's normal though. I think like the human brain can't comprehend it properly. So like the, the concept of like not existing anymore, the, my brain just sort of like shuts yeah. it off immediately. So for me, uh, it's similar to the way you think about space. Like, you know how if you really think about space and it just goes on and on forever and it's constantly expanding and multiplying and where is it going and what is it going to? And it like spins your brain out. Mm. That's what I find. That's how I feel when I think about living on after I die. So I'd much rather oh, like there's a limit there and like that's fine. That's within comprehension. I'm comforted um, by the limitlessness of space. And that's how I like to view my own self. I, I am limitless and will continue forever. <laughs> it's, it's definitely been a really interesting read to confront those sorts of thoughts. Like both every side of it sort of thing. It's, wow. yeah. I think I have to read this book. It, look, it's, it's so funny you mentioned space because actually since reading it, I have become, I've been like spending my evenings watching like space documentaries in the world of space because really? the concept of death is not isolated to, to just humans. Like stars will die. The universe will die. Everything will die. Everything will go the yeah. same. will go the way that you go. So suddenly yeah. it's just a strange, a strange acceptance that it's uh, it's, it's inescapable, but in a weird way, you're like, well, well then, that's the case then what is the point of it and what's the point of all of this and then the answer is simply this is the point of all of this what we are doing right now is the point of all of this which makes it yes. so much more uh, which makes it suddenly you, you look at things and go well I, I suddenly have so much more value I see so much more value 
enjoy yeah, the things that we do because they last. That because was beautiful. it's not yeah. that it's 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 not that it lasts forever. Is that it happened? But also, yeah. death death is not necessarily the end. We I, don't know. I, yeah, we yeah. don't know. I think that's that's the reason like, reason why so many people are terrified by the by talking about it because um, there's a it's something that we do not understand. You don't yes. know what happens yeah, afterwards. That's right. Um, my dad's favorite saying whenever someone comes up to talk about death or anything like that, dad goes, well, no one comes back to complain about it. And that's his his comforting thought. Like, even if it sucks, we haven't heard about it. Um, but it's interesting because right, right from the off at the start of the book, it discusses how we learn about, um, death and how it comes in four stages of, um, realizing that there's a limitation to things so that you know a flower will die and um this is as children um and that you know once your toy is broken it can't be fixed kind of thing and then realizing that only living things can die so associating that the flower has to grow and become a flower before and then it will die like there's it's very interesting so Mm. um it is kind of like that what you were just saying sarah like it's a um uh all my words have gone um, <laughs> look, it's, it's creating this association with the importance of living things and like you were just saying nick like the appreciation of right now is our all that we have that's guaranteed like mm. we have to appreciate that what exists right now is is all that there is we're only constantly in this moment Mm. Um, so yeah, it definitely gives you more of a, a value for living life right now and mm. trying to reduce that fear of the unknown that can't, like the ending. Yeah. Well, without the, without death hanging over us, we would never get anything done. Like we just have all the time world. We'd be like, well, I can do that next millennia. Like, <laughs> very true. <laughs> I mean, that's what life's like for me as an immortal really like tough night. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we've taken a real philosophical turn to finish off this podcast yeah. um yeah. it's been a, it's, it's been a many 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 kind of crazy strange journey this podcast has been but it has been wonderful <laughs> hearing all of your book recommendations guys um thank you so much and that unfortunately brings us to the end of the weekend booktopian for another week thanks to all to my guests for joining us and be sure to check out all of the books that we have mentioned today down in the description box the Weekend Booktopian was produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can check out hundreds of episodes on our Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud channels, including our recent interview with Glenn James, author of Sort Your Money Out. Also be sure to check out Booktopia TV on YouTube, or if you cannot get enough of chatting to authors, head to the Booktopian blog curated by the one and only Olivia Frico, where you can read articles that are pushed every single day, including the, our favourite books that we, that we have read in September this year. Thank you for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.
www.ghostbusters.com.au